The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan and attorney Ray Judice. Welcome back to your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. My name is Tug Cowarts. We appreciate you spending time listening to us on the weekends, checking out the podcast. You can get that on Apple and Spotify and Google. Easy to find. Just search for your day in court wherever you get your podcasts. Quickly want to run through how to get a hold of you guys in case somebody does need your help before we get into this first topic about jury selection. And you may think, I don't know if this is going to be entertaining. Well, it may be in the fact that we can tell you how to maybe get yourself off a jury if you need to or what your rights are are what you can and cannot do but first ray how to get a hold of you easy rayjudicelaw.com got a lot of stuff on my website a lot of interactive video and things about my philosophy after 36 years of practice of law or 404-964-4185 and i leave my cell phone on because you don't play golf you don't go fishing don't golf don't fish don't hunt <laughs> that's right bruce how do we get a hold of you bud yeah it's uh bruce hagan uh i do personal injury cases of all sorts so hagan-law.com h-a-g-e-n-law.com also bruce at bikelaw.com one of the things i kind of specialize in are bicycle crash cases people love and hate bicyclists on the road and happy to talk about that as a subject one day <laughs> we but, need to but uh bruce at bikelaw.com is an easy one to remember 404 404- 522-7553. We'll be talking within 30 minutes if you call. Let's start out with jury because um, I know, Ray, you've got a case coming up where you're going to have to select a jury at some point. And I think there's a lot of people who, you know, they see that jury summons come in the mail and they're like, oh, no, I'm one of them. I do feel like it's my civic duty and I'm going to go do it. And every time I've been called, I've gone. But it's not because I was like, oh, yippee, I can't wait to go. So, when you're selecting a jury, what is it that you're looking for? Is it a guy like me? Is it a guy that's completely opposite? Well, first of all, you're not selecting a jury as trial lawyers. We're getting rid of folks. Yeah. Okay. okay. We so get what's left over. Right. Okay. Uh, we deselect. We deselect. <laughs> right. That's right. And it's very tactical. It used to be in the criminal world that the criminal defendant's lawyer had more strikes. Okay. So we're striking you from the panel than the prosecution. Several years ago, the legislature evened that out. Okay. So a long time ago, it was. It was Two for one, like, basically. Yeah. So it was like a like if you're at the plate, you're getting three strikes and you're out, right? That's right. And that's all you got to use. That's right. Well, out of a misdemeanor case, okay. we would, when we would want six people in the jury box, we'd start with 12, and I would get four strikes as the criminal defense lawyer, and the prosecution would get two strikes, okay? So it was a, it was an advantage for the defense, and quite frankly, I th- feel that's right, because the prosecution has so many other advantages, including getting to go first, present their case, they do have the burden, including in most courtrooms, the ability to have the table near the jury so they can sort of physically be closer and wrap themselves in the flag as they do their job on behalf of the people of the state of Georgia or the federal government. 
government cases. But that's been evened out. So mm-hmm. now it's one and one, one and one, one okay. and one. We go back and forth. But your question is a great question, and it's almost impossible to answer in a 58-minute show here because it depends on the case, the jurisdiction, what my client is like, what the prosecution is like, what okay. kind of a case it is. So for almost every kind of case, we're going to want to wind up with, meaning strike, a different kind of jury. So you may Got be it. a perfect juror for some kind of cases and a terrible juror in, in that courtroom next door in a different kind of case. Right. Well. And Tug, one thing we do, um, especially in the cases that are the bigger civil cases, I, I don't try criminal cases, but we try personal injury cases. And so in the bigger ones, we'll take the time well in advance of trial to do focus groups. And we'll go to the county where this case is going to be tried if it goes to trial. And we'll bring in a handful of random people representative of what a jury pool would look like in that county and then try to, in a very neutral manner, run different themes by them. I'm not asking them to tell me how much. I don't need them to tell me how much the case is worth or what the dollar figure is. But I Just do, how they interpret well, it. But there might be issues that, you know, how do you respond to this issue? How do you respond to that issue? You know, we've got, take any random issue in a case like somebody who's had, you know, 10 years ago they had back surgery and they've had some limitations physically in those 10 years after the surgery, but they've been pretty fine. But now they have another back injury from a car crash. How are they affected by comments in the medical records from 10 years ago versus what they see now. And so we'll run things by them and then hear the sort of feedback that we get from jurors. And it could be on any number of issues. And we want to get that feedback. And from that, we can say, all right, it seems like jurors in this demographic, maybe it's based on age or gender, skin color or work experience, income level, whatever. You know, these types of jurors seem to be more willing to accept an argument. These types of jurors are rejecting a certain argument. We had one case with a guy who suffered from a brain injury. And among the different consequences of the brain injury was that he lost his sense of smell. And when you lose your sense of smell, you lose your sense of taste. Right, of course. I didn't know how that would play out with jurors and what motivates them or not. And is it the very functional aspects of it? Like, I can't tell if there's a fire in my house. Right, because you're smell it. Or is it the, you know, things about the pleasures of life? Like, you know, I want Eating a great slice of pizza. Anything like that, right? And it was shocking to me to hear some of the reactions. This was all in the focus group. One of the potential focus group jurors says like, look, hey, life's a bitch and sometimes Sometimes you get dealt a bad hand, and so you can't smell and taste too bad. You can still work and do your job, so you're fine. I, I don't think that's worth anything. Mm-hmm. And another guy looked at her and said, are you crazy? He's like, when we leave here, I'm going to get some barbecue because I'm hungry. And mm-hmm. it, it was like 11 o'clock. It was getting near lunch. He's like, And I know when I get about 300 yards away from that barbecue joint, I'm going to start smelling it, and I'm going to be so excited for the great barbecue I'm about to eat, and that's going to taste so good, and that means a lot to me. And he mm-hmm. handed you your closing argument. Did <laughs> right. he not? That was part of it. I mean, Listen, I agree. Right. I mean, that's what you got from that. Is a th- theme rather than a value. And I've done some of those as well. They're a little more difficult in criminal cases to do. But what you're looking for is jurors on a criminal case. Who can I negotiate and by strikes or box the prosecution in by maybe taking out one of the striking somebody that they really wanted. So by way of example, lots of folks either have been in law enforcement or their family members are in law enforcement or they were in the military, which I, I don't necessarily put in law enforcement, but it's it, yeah, to it's, some it's extent, very, sure. Yeah, military maybe, police, yeah, sure. Now, if I've got a case where the prosecution has some really good law enforcement witnesses. I don't want that person or their family on my jury. Mm -hmm. But if I've got a case where there's some bad law enforcement, at least that's part of my defense, I might want that person. Because they have a sense of of duty in saying that that person did their job the wrong way. And that's not how I was trained to do it. And, you know, 
we want them to be a little judgmental, of course. Yeah. Second thing is, if I want somebody, maybe all I can get is a hung or divided jury. So I want to try to maybe see if I can preserve one or two witnesses that I feel are going to be hangers-on, no matter what. They're not going to get browbeaten by the four-person of the jury or a four-to-two vote or a ten-to-two vote. And they're going to hold on and say, listen, that's my view, and I'm not they're changing. Stand their ground. And, yeah. you know, the judge does what's called an Allen charge, and we can talk about that. It comes up in a criminal case where uh, after a certain amount of time, the judge brings the jury in and reads what's called it's state versus Allen. It's called the Allen charge and says, listen here, you're the best jury we could possibly we get. We spent a lot of time on this case. Open up your minds, reevaluate, revote, get back in there. And that usually 10 yeah. minutes later to come out with, it, right. with a judgment like, hey, judge, I spent all day it's trying the, to get a home the dynamite jury. charge. Right? <laughs> right. The dynamite so, charge. So, exactly right. And, and people ask me and ask Ray, I'm sure, you know, they get that jury summons in the mail like you were talking about. Like, how do I get out of this? Right. right? Such a great and, question. And, and so first of all, you don't want to get out of this. Jury service is an incredibly important thing. And it's really one of the things that makes our country so Correct. great is that here at the most important moment, in a lot of people's lives, we're asking just ordinary citizens to come in and make this decision. It's mm-hmm. not a government decision. Yeah. It's ordinary people. So, so it really is an important thing. And I find that the people who don't want to be there, still when they get there, they take it very seriously. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that. Uh, um, but the one thing, we're, you know, Ray was saying, it's a deselection process, right? So I tell people, hey, look, go to jury service, go through the process. If you really don't want to be picked to be on that final group of six or 12 people, raise your hand and answer the questions and state your opinions. Because the more you talk and the more you say, one or the other, like in my case, the defense lawyer or the plaintiff's lawyer, one of us is going to hate you. The, yeah. mo- the more you, the you more talk, you say, yeah. and, in a, and in a criminal case, you know, either the prosecution or the defense lawyer is just, you're going to say something that makes them not want you right. as long as you express your opinions. What we end up with all too often is out of, let's say, 12 jurors, eight of them were just kind of lurking. And so we're having to make assumptions based on very little information. But I know that that one juror who kept saying, <laughs> saying things like, I don't want them. So I'll get rid of them and take my chances with the one who Who's just quiet. lurked and was quiet. But if you really want to give yourself the best chance of being stricken from the jury, raise your hand, answer the questions like, a lot. You know that kid in high school in the front row that had his, yeah. his or her yeah. hand yeah. up? Yeah. Teacher, teacher, yeah, teacher, yeah, call yeah. on me. Yeah. That's a strike. <laughs> That's a strike. <laughs> from elementary school all the way into adult life. the same person. <laughs> or like, or like you out. said, Tug, you know, it's like there are people who are excited to go down for jury service. Yeah. Like, yeah, if someone is excited no, to be down here, I don't want them. This is the highlight of what they have going on. I really do not want So what I do is, let's say I'm picking a six-person jury on a misdemeanor crime. So I'll have my 12 boxes on my legal pad, and I have little notes, and you have to be careful with notes because there's things called Batson charges and Batson problems if you've purposely alienated or struck a certain segment of our population, whether it's age, race, sex. So you have to be cautious about your notes and as well as your ethics, of course. But I give them an, a letter grade. So if a juror I really would love to have, you know, that's somebody has probably been falsely accused of crimes and, you know, beat the case and they know what it's like to be a defendant. Well, that's an A+. Plus. Mm-hmm. I served 47 years in the city of X police department. That's a D-. minus. <laughs> right. But usually I have, as Bruce would say, I have a lot of C's. Yeah. Well, Bees. Yeah. Eh, I, I, I don't yeah. know what to do. My, my <laughs> notes are different. I, I have yes, no, and question mark. Okay. And, okay. and unfortunately, they too many end so up in the question mark. Right. But the great thing is, like when I have one that I have as a no, I don't want that person on the jury, mm-hmm. and the defense side strikes them. It's like okay, that's that's you get a an extra strike. I, I get an extra strike, exactly. and, and so better chance of getting a more favorable it, group it, based on the very limited bit of information we have. And right. and you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover. We do that all the time. And right. then, then I say to myself. Up, but wait a second. I thought that was a <laughs> right. Well, and I'm second guessing my evaluation it. because the prosecutor thought the same way. I'm like, what? What am I missing? 
saying right. something? What is it? <laughs> so, so it is an art. I know there's all the science of jury selection. Sure. And there are certain things, what people are wearing. Uh, I watch them when they walk in. Do they have a Timex or a Rolex? Kind of, uh, are they carrying yeah. a book? Yeah. Are they, they carrying a book yeah. or the newspaper? Right. You know, there's all small, subtle things, which you could be completely wrong about. They, right, somebody but, left a book out in the in the hallway and they picked it up to right. return it to it. Yeah. its rightful owner. Right. And you think they're reading War and Peace, so yeah. they must be an intellectual, right? right. That's so funny. <laughs> but I can see how that makes sense and yep. why you do that. Absolutely. And, and, and more often than not, it probably is their book, you know? Sure. It, the I mean, you can of, see that the, the north side, this is Metro Atlanta, the north side business guy in his khakis and his polo shirt and when he sits down he audibly sighs like mm-hmm. oh, I could be right. making money yeah. I should be running my business I need to watch the stock market why am I here so now maybe you want that guy nah there's not enough evidence not guilty let's yeah. get out of here we also you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll bring assistants with us paralegals and staff with us so that as soon as we get the names of who the jurors are they, you know, we can scour social media yes. and for a lot of the potential jurors at least you know, you'll know, you get some information and That's so if you see some you know people posting things about it that's usually who they are and you can get a good sense of of them that way and now something that's happened in the span of both of our careers whether before the internet was invented during the trial if you have enough staff you need to be monitoring those people's social media the jurors if you can Mm -hmm. because they're under instruction by the judge do not discuss the case with your family with your friends don't go on social media and if they're on facebook saying hey i've got i'm involved in this trial i think the guy is guilty of sin i can't wait to get Mm -hmm. in the back room and vote against him that's juror misconduct yeah. okay and as well as a motion for a mistrial so we, we're monitoring that all the time now i want to come back and ask you about what kind of trouble a juror could get in for that misconduct we'll talk about it next as well as perception versus reality when it comes to lawsuits are they frivolous i mean you hear people saying oh god i'll get you a million dollars for your case what does that mean are they frivolous are they not we'll get the expertise of ray and bruce to answer that question for you next on your day in court here on extra 106.3 The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 1063. Welcome back to Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. My name is Tug Cowart here on Extra 1063. When we finished the last segment, we were talking about juries and jury misconduct. 
that made me wonder what could happen to you if you were accused or it was proven that you were handling the jury information incorrectly. Maybe you're sharing it on social media. Maybe you're talking about it with people you shouldn't be. What can happen to people, Ray? Well, let's start with the easiest question is what if you don't show up initially? Okay, okay? all right, fair. So on the back of your jury notice, it outlines that if you don't show, the uh, judge can send the marshals or the sheriff to come get you. Uh, there's a fine. I think the maximum is $500. You can be held in contempt. You know, you're not going to see prison time or jail time, but you might be sitting in the back in the uh, jury room by yourself for three or four hours until the judge decides to give you a lecture. Uh, it doesn't happen much, believe it or not. Uh, I okay, think most folks in the city most citizens take it seriously or they're scared one of the other. It doesn't matter much. I'd rather have folks that are happy to be here. And let me just say one quick thing. I have conducted as lead counsel well in excess of 250 jury trials in my career. I will tell you, and I, Bruce touched upon it earlier briefly, actually once they are sworn in, I have very rarely seen a juror who didn't really seem like they were paying attention or if they were falling asleep. They've got their notepads and their heads are going back and forth like watching a tennis match between the questioning. And I found most jurors not only take it seriously, but at the end of the trial, and you get an opportunity to speak to a jury after a verdict if you'd like, almost every one of them says, you know what? This was a much more interesting experience than I thought it was going to be. I'm glad I did it. I don't necessarily want to do it again anytime soon, but they're very thankful for it being involved in the process and i found nothing but good feedback on that that's my, awesome and that's been my experience bruce yeah absolutely and you know i do think that you see it when people get hear their name announced and they're going to be on the jury the audible sigh the shoulder <laughs> shrug the downward looking uh, you know casting like of the eyes that just got kicked they, yeah i mean they, they don't feel like they've just won the prize yeah. you know congratulations you made it to the jury no they feel like <laughs> oh my gosh this is horrible but ray's 100 right they get in the jury box and they take it seriously it's one of the things that makes this system so good and so important. You know, look, we saw this in the Derek Chauvin trial. I mean, people ahead of time, particularly those who were fearing that there would never be any kind of justice for George Floyd, um, were saying, you know, this system is so skewed against a black victim killed by a police officer who's white that there'll never be a jury to convict here and you know, because of the process. Mm -hmm. And yet, as you see, when the jurors get called in, they do take it very seriously. They are hopefully not subject to outside influence. But the question of like what can happen, right? So a lot of courts have trouble getting enough people to show up for jury duty. And so at times, you know, some counties have made some real stiff announcements that, hey, if you don't show up, we're going to send the law after you. You know, we're going to send the marshal after you. We're going to put a warrant out on you for failing to fulfill your civic duty and showing up for jury service. Because for the system to work, people have to show up. That doesn't mean you get called onto the jury, but you have to be there at least to do it. So, you know, again, when people ask me, you know, how can I get out of jury service? It's like, don't get out of jury service. Don't even try. Go. Enjoy it. It's such an important and meaningful opportunity to be a participant in our system that people in other countries don't get that. That's right. right. That's that the most important reason to do and, it. For and sure. we've had, you know, it's come up in different contexts. Like there should be professional jurors for mm. complex business disputes, maybe. Professional means money, that means bought and paid for. Yeah, I just, that seems like a horrible it, idea. It, it's a horrible idea. And, you know, a lot of what we see in, especially in big business, are efforts to take away people's access to jury trials by things like mandatory arbitration agreements because they know that a panel of arbitrators who are industry professionals, whatever it might be, are more likely to rule a certain way that's typically pro-defendant than would be 12 ordinary folks pulled from the county 
roles who are more likely to listen to the facts objectively and say, yeah, you know, I can see both sides of this without being tainted by too much knowledge of that specific industry. You're saying construction litigations, construction contracts, having mandatory arbitration, nursing home cases, it's mandatory. I dislike that, but I will say that I can also see where some areas of the law are so complex, and this is not to say that we have a dumbed-down society, but it's about focus and attention, and it's also about the lawyer's ability to communicate these sometimes very complex issues. It's not all about rear-end auto accidents or misdemeanor shoplifting cases. I mean, you get into some very complex securities cases or construction cases that require a lot of engineering knowledge, and we've got 12 very nice people who have have put together IKEA furniture poorly, and you're asking them (laughs) to judge if that's going to be the measuring stick, we all feel here. We're all but, here's, but here's another example of that. So, so when you sign up with Uber or Lyft or any of the ride-sharing mm-hmm. services, and nobody reads the terms of service, you know, the mm-hmm. 14 pages well, of which yeah. you just check that box. I so feel like that's intentional, though. You some feel of like that. That's so, so, well, but some of the terms of service because it's like forever long and exactly. it's hard to understand. Yes. So included among that is a waiver of your right to a jury trial and your agreement to binding arbitration. If you mm-hmm. have a claim, including a claim for personal injury That's against an Uber driver. And so nobody knows this. Right? I didn't until now, and I've <laughs> ridden in right. Uber cars a million times. And yet, if you're a passenger in a car and the driver is acting irresponsibly and causes a crash and you're injured and you want to make a claim for that, you cannot sue that person unless you are able to get past the Uber arbitration clause, which has happened and courts frown upon waiver of your constitutional right to a jury trial. So they'll interpret this very seriously. There was just a court of appeals case here recently that said that the arbitration clause was not enforceable because it didn't stand out enough in the terms of service and the person didn't knowingly waive a constitutional Right. A constitutional yeah. right. So, right. So, you know, what will Uber do? They'll put it in big, bold print and make it that much harder to miss. And you still check off the box. And, 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 and you, everybody will still check it. And three pages. Twice. That way you have to continue to go through it. No, I'm <laughs> right. telling you, man, that stuff drives but, me But I will say insane. one thing, that we're seeing a shift towards at least mandatory medi- non-binding mediation in almost every civil case, whether it's a divorce, contracts, personal injury, Bruce, which is your specialty. I do a little bit of it. And my experience now has been if you trot up to the courthouse on Monday morning for a jury trial on an injury case, slip and fall, auto accident, whatever, first thing the judge says, have you all tried to mediate this? No, judge, we haven't. Well, guess what? I'm signing an order right now, and I'll give you a Go couple hours to pick a mediator, or I'm going to pick one for you. But let's, let's talk about that a little bit because people may not understand what mediation really is in the context of these kind of cases. And what Ray and I are talking about are disputes where the issue is money, ultimately, right? In most civil cases, you know, you're not looking for an injunction or a restraining order or something like that. Uh, You're not dividing up property necessarily. But even in those cases, they still will do mediation. But mediation is basically just a supervised settlement conference. There's a neutral party who's there that is tasked with the job of trying to bring these two sides together to reach an agreement. Agreement. You know, you'd like to say it's a win-win agreement. Um, a lot of the mediators will describe it as, hey, look, if everybody walks out of here feeling like they gave up a little bit more than they wanted to, then that's usually a sign of a fair result because okay. you accepted less than you thought your case was, was worth. You paid more than you thought your case was worth, but you got it done. That's a sign of a successful mediation. And uh-huh. so, you know, we, we do this frequently and there have been plenty of times where it's court ordered and we think this is never going to work and yet it works. And then other times it's like, there's every reason in the world for this case to settle, and it doesn't for one reason or another. 
and you know guys like me and Ray who are maybe somewhat of a dying breed because we're trial lawyers and we love trying cases and this show is your day in court you know we welcome the chance to go to court but we know that resolution at mediation is 99 times out of 100 in our clients best interest and I know one thing that you do and I, and I do as well is when we go to mediation I think I speak for Bruce we're actually ready to go to trial I don't like to mediate a case that hasn't been litigated so what do I mean by that I'm talking about filing a lawsuit answers to interrogatories exchange of information depositions of the key witnesses I want my case as somebody told me once I want it in a can so that if we walk out of that mediation unresolved I can call the court the next morning and say well we tried how about Monday and I have found when I do plaintiff's cases being ready and being prepared is the ultimate first of all your service to your client and secondly that's what put pressure on the defendant insurance companies especially because they don't like to go to court that we like it we think yeah. it's groovy but they don't <laughs> like it. it's not a good use of their time and resources right. sure. and, and this is where your reputation as a trial lawyer comes into play because you know when you're just sort of negotiating with a faceless nameless insurance adjuster who's just looking at a computer monitor and whatever information they threw in there yeah. you know they spit out whatever they're authorized to pay and there's no regard for anything other mm -hmm. than you know some model that you know somebody has developed here to try to underpay claims and they just spit numbers at you but when you're in mediation and there's a lawyer for the defense there that can say hey look this guy knows how to try a case and you can see they're ready to try it and you know we're going to be exposed and we need to come up with a fair number as opposed to and I don't want to take shots at the big advertising lawyers because they may be advertised on this very station. But, you know, the big mills that are these yeah. huge firms, they can't afford to try the cases that we try. Right. And and so it's like, hey, look, just throw a number at these guys because they'll settle. Eventually, mm -hmm. they're going to settle it. Right. And, you know, having a reputation for being willing to try cases and try them well, it becomes a Yogi Berra-ism, right? Absolutely. Um, we try so many cases that we don't get to try anything anymore. That's yeah. right. That's, That's right. So Nobody eats there anymore. It's too busy. Well, right. I, I, I want to ask you guys about the perception versus reality when it comes to lawsuits you do see those billboards that say we're gonna get you a million dollars and you know uh, whatever whatever the catchphrases are you know and there's plenty of them the perception is that these people who want to go to court they want a million dollars it seems like it could be a greedy from a greedy place versus I just want to be made whole I thought of a good billboard for Ray. Like, want to get what you're due today? Call Ray Judicek. Dude, oh, that's that, that really, a jingle writer here. The best billboard I ever saw was for a criminal defense lawyer. It was in Tucson, Arizona. And it said, just because you did it doesn't mean you're guilty. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. That was a good there was one. Also one that's mind-boggling. That's made my head explode. There were the ones around Atlanta that really caught my attention, and it would just show like a smoking hot either guy or gal in a bathing suit. Yeah. And it just said, life's short, get a divorce. You know what? I think I've seen that yeah. same thing too. As a guy, you know, you and I have both been married a long time and it just seems like the sanctity of marriage in that billboard is just thrown into the garbage <laughs> can. But right. Yeah. But yeah, it's just to the point. Is it people that are, that are just greedy that want a million dollars or is it just the perception? My view, you know, representing injured people for so many years is that it really is a perception created by the insurance industry, by the chambers of commerce around the country to try to create an impression in people's minds so that when they show up for jury service, they're going to believe that the only reason they're there is because this person who has filed a lawsuit is greedy and is asking for money that they're not entitled to. And they're not considering that this person has a legitimate claim and is just looking to be treated fairly and has been dragged through the mud by usually an insurance company yeah. that just is refusing to put fair value on the table. And we do have some plaintiffs who have overinflated values of their cases sometimes, but it's not common. And it's, it's actually pretty rare because, look, 
look, I don't get paid unless I get money on the case. I'm a contingent fee lawyer, right? Mm -hmm. You don't pay me when you walk in the office. There's You don't have to pay me to hire me. My fee is a percentage of what we get on your case. So yes, I am incentivized to get you as much as I can get you, but I'm not incentivized to help somebody who has an unrealistic expectation Well, because you might, not, you might not get that, right? I'm, I'm never going to make that person happy, and, yeah. and that just is basically a losing proposition no matter what. And so I've had to turn away some people like that, but it really is the minority. I would tell you the vast, vast majority of cases, and certainly the ones that go to trial where the insurance companies just don't see that they should be paying more than they're paying and for whatever reason refuse to do it. Or they might they might see it, but just would rather not see it. Yeah. And we get, you know, <laughs> look, we get a lot of cases that settle on the eve of trial, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and the courthouse steps is the, is the analogy, right? So what's happened during COVID? Well, the courthouse has been closed That's for the last point. year plus. Yeah. And, and so what's happening? Cases that are the obvious ones that should settle, like this is a million dollar case and there's only a $25,000 insurance policy. Yeah, those are settling, right? Cases that are the little ones and the insurance company has to pay something out to get it off their books, those are settling. The cases that really should go to trial and, and maybe they'll settle on the eve of trial, those cases just linger because we can't put pressure on the defense because we can't get to court. That's- and keep in mind, most of the insurance defense lawyers are working on an hourly rate where Bruce uh-huh. and I on an injury case are taking it on a contingency, meaning we don't get paid, compensated, unless we get fair compensation for our client, a percentage. But they're grinding it out. So another year of status conferences, good for them. motions, irrelevant depositions, more paperwork. Sure. You know, that's the bill. It gets run up. So that has been a problem. I want to say one thing about mediation. What I've really learned to love about it over the years is, you know, if we're litigating a case and the insurance company lawyer takes my client's deposition, while it's not what we think it is on TV where the lawyer's pounding the table and pointing his or her finger in my client's face, it's not a very social opportunity to meet and exchange ideas. It's usually in the preliminary stages of the litigation anyway. But at mediation, I like the four or five hours of of the lawyers exchanging some pleasantries, getting to know the mediator, and the mediator listening to my client. From perhaps the first time in that case, somebody besides myself and has my actually staff heard from them. has actually heard and listened to them and said, yes, I can see why that scar on your neck, Mrs. Smith, bothers you from your C5, C6 fusion, because every time you put on your dress and that beautiful necklace, you see that scar. And while it doesn't keep you from going to work or doing anything else, it's a value to you. It's harmful. And I actually try to, in scarring cases, especially, you know, when a man gets a scar, it's a badge of honor. Because yeah, right. we can make yeah. up some story Not about, a woman. you should see what happened to the other SOB. Yeah. <laughs> but for right. a woman with a scar and what I try to do is get a female mediator is that is that something that you would try to do sure and and um, you know a, a female mediator who, who has empathy I mean yes. ultimately I find in, in our room right representing people in our room we need somebody who is going to be just like Ray's describing typically where they're going to hear and acknowledge what this person has and been through and understand and, and empathize and, and create a rapport with them sure. and and then you know the other part of their job is to try to say hey look but you have to understand that the process is is a cold-blooded one, and the, the six or 12 people who are going to be deciding your fate, they may not take the time to really put themselves in your shoes and care about this sort of thing. And by the way, the other side's not just going to sit there with their hat in their hands. You know, they have a few things that they want to say, and here's what they're going to say. So, you know, it can be a very good process if both sides go into it in good faith, and particularly if an insurance company has valued the case 
properly. I would tell you virtually every mediation, if you just had an experienced defense lawyer, an experienced plaintiff's lawyer in there, chances are if you went out in the hallway and said, what do you really think this if case we, is worth? And you wrote down a number, you would be within pretty, pretty 5% close. of each other. Yeah, There's a couple of mediators in Metro Atlanta that I, that I love to work with. And what they'll do is they'll have me write down a number on a piece of paper at nine o'clock in the morning as to what I really think the case is going to settle at the end of the day. And he'll, he or she will have it, the other side do the same and they'll keep that in their pocket. And at the end of, when we're all done, <laughs> right. people, it's all private. But here's a little bit of inside baseball stuff. And I think this is something. This is fascinating this right is what, here. What yeah. Bruce was talking about earlier. The best way to settle a case for a client, whether it's a good plea bargain or outcome in a criminal case or a good settlement in an injury case or any case, is to be an experienced litigator slash trial lawyer. You know, we all have a baseball card, mm-hmm. okay? And on yeah, the back of Bruce and I's baseball yeah. card is lots of jury trials. Lots of victories. Lots of wins <laughs> and some losses. You get as much respect from a victory from your opposing counsel if you really tried a great case. And the judges love it when there's great lawyers in a courtroom. So I have a little thing that I do. It's my little shtick, one of mine. Uh, about two-thirds of the way through the mediation when we're stuck on a number and we just can't get the other side to go, I sort of pack my stuff up, my briefcase and my box, yeah. and put my sport yeah. coat back on. And, right. and I tell the media, I said, listen, just let them know. I've enjoyed the experience and the intellectual repartee, but I go to trial in criminal cases where my client can go to prison. Yeah. This is the exchange of assets. It's important, I know, yeah. but you know, right, no one's right. doing 70 to life because yeah. I lose this personal injury case. Right. And the jury's going to come back with some value. So I don't try to be frivolous, but I say take that down to that lawyer who's been out of law school for six years mm-hmm. and let him or her know that, you know, I love picking a jury. I've got right. some nice yeah. suits and yeah. some. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but, and circumstance too. <laughs> to, to your question about, you know, is is it because of greedy plaintiffs yeah. versus anything right. else? You know, I rarely think it is. I mean, and, and, and a, in large respect, it has to do with the relationship that you as the lawyer have with your client going back to the very first meeting. And if I have somebody coming in who has a modest injury thinking that, you know, this They're is their chance some, yeah. because they've seen commercials from, you know, these lawyers on TV with people holding up big checks. Look, I got news for you. For one of those TV lawyers to get a, a million dollar settlement that they talk about that's a five million dollar case mm-hmm. you know in the yeah. hands of somebody who's willing to try it yeah. so yeah you know i know how to make a small fortune start with a large fortune and buy a boat you know it's the same idea you want you want a million dollar case take your five million dollar case to one of these mills that's, that's on tv have, and it becomes a one million they have enormous case. advertising overhead billboards yeah. tv ads yeah, they have sure. lots of young lawyers and they're getting paid by the piece so settle a case settle a case settle a case but to fully and fairly litigate a case on behalf of your client it takes time yeah. And you're taking depositions, which costs money. And you're doing discovery, which costs time yeah. and money. And you're, we and Bruce and I invest in these cases, both intellectual capital and financial yeah. capital. On the mediation thing, um, I have had a client once who I thought was um, had an unrealistic view of the value of their case. And we're in court um, in DeKalb County, uh, and, and it's a status conference. And the judge is like, have you all tried to mediate this case? Just like Ray was saying. Sure. And I said, um, judge, we would welcome a chance to mediate this case. In fact, the defense doesn't even need to come. If we could just mediate uh, with b- me and my client, I feel like we'll get it resolved. Well, uh, and I was, you know, I was joking around, but right, right. but but basically, I said, like, yeah, they, they've made a decent offer. My my stone-headed client doesn't see it that way, and they're yeah. entitled to their day in court. And and I've been wrong before, yeah. but but this case should settle, and, and realistically. 
if the insurance uh, defense would put a little bit more money on the case, yeah, it gets settled. And and so mediation is is a great process. And we know a lot of lawyers who it's that's sort of how they ride out into the sunset. Uh, they've had an active career. It's like, yeah, you know what? I don't want to have to take my work home with me. I'll be a mediator. I can I can help two sides come together and then at, at five o'clock go home and not take my work home with me. Well, I think it's a skill set. Uh, In fact, I've had an opportunity. I'm sure Bruce could be a mediator. I've had somebody ask me to be a mediator, and I just said, you know, I've been walking up to that council table for 36 years with my briefcase and my legal pad and a pen. I just, I'm not a peacemaker. (laughs) I I don't mind if you're willing to surrender. We can make peace that way. But I'm a (laughs) a go-getter. And I I will just say, you know, as, as I get into those sunset years of my career, that is the thing I, I think I worry about the most is missing, is walking, into, room, is walking into a court. Yeah, competition, there's, yeah. there's an answer. You ready? One word. Yes. Pickleball. Pickleball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My neighborhood has like 18 yeah. pickleball courts, yeah. and they're right. always uh, full. You so. must live in a retirement community. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You would think so, but it's it's really not. I mean, nonetheless, I, I, was, I just found out what it was your recently. competitive juices can yeah. be, can be uh, stoked through pickleball. Yeah, that's true, but I just, it's the, you know, I always wanted to do this yeah. since I was, you know, a little kid. And, yeah. and Bruce too, and to be able, and there's that intersection. I think we're both at that point where we've got a, a good amount, maybe an enormous amount of experience, and it's not easier. But the things that were hard about litigating cases aren't so hard anymore. And the nice thing being on our side, um, we get to pick and choose, right? Whereas if I were working for an insurance company or, or working at doing defense law, you know, it's like, hey, you, you are an institutional, you have this institutional client, here's a matter we just got sued on, you're now working that case whether you want to or not. We have the uh, ability to say, no, I don't want that case, um, or get somebody else in our firm to work on the case. Hmm. Uh, and, and you know, so I have shrunk my caseload of the ones I, I work on um, to prepare for trial, but these are the ones I'm most interested in, and, and they're really not necessarily the ones that are the most valuable in the office. They're just the ones that interest me the most. Yeah, it's fascinating, man. It, it's this, this discussion, I think, is so good because so many people have all of these questions. You know, it, these are real life questions that people, when they see billboards or they, they hear about a lawsuit, they hear about jury duty, they wonder. They wonder about this because they don't deal with it every day like you do. So it's, I think it's fascinating to explain some of this stuff. When we get back, I want to talk about something that has people, it seemingly has people, misunderstanding what's going on. And it is the relaxation of the mask requirements in public in, in a lot of places at University of Georgia, Truist Park over here across the, uh, across the street. And even at Publix, you know, they've dropped their mask requirements. What does that mean for people? We'll discuss that next here on Your Day in Court on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. 
This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 1063. Welcome back. Final segment of your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. My name is Tug Cowart. You're listening to Extra 1063. There have been some changes in the way that we go about our business through the COVID pandemic. And now you're starting to see some of those restrictions fall away, mainly the mask mandate. Different places have different ideas about wearing masks or not. And I'll give you an example. Walmart, Costco, Trader Joe's all dropped the mask mandate. Publix, too. But Starbucks and I think Whole Foods hang on to that mask mandate. The way I look at it, when you go to a private business, if they ask you to wear a mask, you better wear a mask. And if they don't, then you're okay not to. Am I wrong about that? Where's where's all the confusion coming from with this whole change in the mask mandate? Well, I think part of it is that um, you know the the situation has changed in terms of more people being vaccinated against sure. uh, the virus, so it allows society to open up and more information being available mm-hmm. to scientists to be able to make informed decisions. And politics, right? right so, of so uh, you know, the, the overlay of how politics affects science, which is uh, nothing new, but it's been, you know, in the forefront of the news here for the last year and a half. So the CDC's new guidelines come out and, um, you know, they are exactly that, guidelines. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not mandatory on any government to enact. They're guidelines for how to run your business. If you've been vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask in certain places. If you haven't been vaccinated, wear a mask is, is essentially the simplest way to look at the guidelines. That's right. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and, and yet, you know, people will inevitably want to be up in arms about this because that's who we are. We're such mm-hmm. a thin-skinned society uh, on both sides mm-hmm. that, that it's like people just want to be ticked off about it. So yeah. they're going to be ticked off about it. It's really not that complicated if you think about it. Hey, look, if you've been vaccinated, you're okay. But what happens? We're just on the honor system is right. what it seems See, like. But that's, right? and, that's, that's exactly and that's right. the problem because we know human behavior uh, it, and certainly our uh, national behavior, it just doesn't lend itself to the honor system. But we but, also don't want regulation necessarily. Right. We don't want to be told what right. to do, right? And and, and particularly in, in, you know, look at big business, right? Big business doesn't want to be told, mm-hmm. I can't do X, Y, Z. So, so depending on who's in power in the administration, you see rules being eliminated on big business, rules being enacted on big right. business. And then when rules are eliminated, what happens in big business? They run rampant with like the worst behavior right. imaginable and, right. and people's lives get destroyed and fraud schemes and things like this. And then the government overreacts and yeah. then, you know, and then, right. you know, the, you can't make money and the, it, there's no free market anymore. Right. And it's like that seemingly with, with the masks right now. Yeah. One of the great things about Americans is that we are energetic, unruly, Undisciplined in many ways, but it also allows creativity and exploration. But this whole thing has been just chaotic, whether it's from the CDC, under either administration, uh, how long it took to come down with the fact that this was airborne and we're not wiping our hands with Clorox bleach three times a day and wiping down all the surfaces, because that didn't really matter at all. And then the masks policy has just been so inconsistent. Do we need masks? Do we not need masks? And where was the research about wearing the masks? I don't know if it was there or it just never made it to the public or it wasn't made clear enough, I come down on encouragement and rewards rather than punishment. So look, right now, the state of Ohio, I believe, has sort of a lottery. You can win. There are going to be five $1 million winners. You get your vaccination. You're going to go into the, maybe your number will be on our name on a ping pong ball. And there's going to be people who are going to be incentivized 
to get over this final hump, get down, get your shots, and maybe pick up a big check from the state of Ohio. So I like that. Yeah, I great, love that. Great for Georgia. I love well, but I love that idea. I love the fact because I think people respond better to incentive versus punishment. Don't do you see it that way? Oh you? yeah, and and you know, look, there's there's so much just disinformation that's out oh, there no. that, oh, that it, gosh, and, yeah. and you know yeah. there there are segments of the population who really buy into that and and you know they're not going to be vaccinated but it'll be interesting too to see you know is there going to be litigation that comes up are you going to have people who are um wearing masks making claims well I, you know i'm vaccinated when they're not um that somehow or another you can prove that i got the virus because of you. Um, it's it's unlikely you would see this in a retail situation, but you might see it between uh, employees of the same company if the uh-huh. if the company's not requiring mm-hmm. a mask, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, in my office, for example, we are on the honor system, and mm-hmm. and, and and we had an, a policy initially um, of wearing masks anytime you're outside of your. Space, your, your space, yeah. Um, or anytime somebody comes into your space, and now it's, hey, look, if you've been vaccinated, you don't have to wear the mask. Right. Uh, if you haven't been, wear the mask. And so I'm not checking uh, people to do it. I say I encourage you to get it. Yeah, it's it's you know I that's think, the smart I think thing to do. It's the smart thing to do, and yeah. and you know public health issues and personal health issues would tell you to do it. But I'm not mandating that you re- that you do it here just to continue being employed in this office. Yeah, um, and so. There are a few people who walk around wearing masks. Is it like a uh, scarlet letter that, that you know, you, you wear the mask and identify yourself as being uh, an anti-vax? You know, maybe so, and, and that might lead some people in some workplaces to lie about it. But they're and, even talking and, about it like in stadiums. You know, have, have a if you want to be in a certain section and not wear a mask, you have to have proof that you've been vaccinated. Otherwise, you have to sit Dodgers, in a different section. The Dodgers did that. Well, they had a vaccination yeah, section. And whether that's maybe sitting in the prime seats at the stadium because you've got your vaccine or being able to ride first class on Delta over to Great Britain or France for a vacation, there's going to be a somewhat segmented society going forward of things that vaccinated people can do, which is basically everything, and some things that non-vaccinated people can't do or can't do fully, especially in the private setting where I get to set the rules, whether it's my house or my business or my restaurant or my airplane. I would say the same thing about going to school. I mean, we, we talked about this earlier as we wrap up here. When you went to school, you had to get your measles shots. You had to, I mean, it's there's all kinds of required. You, you brought it up in the Navy. I had to get the anthrax shot when I went to the Middle East. It wasn't something that I was crazy about getting, but, it, you know, they, they were like, this is why you're getting it. The Navy told me they broke it down because we have a vaccine. Another problem has been, I think, an overreaction and a, a lack of looking at the science. So, for example, when the J&J Johnson & Johnson vaccine was pulled off the shelves, basically, for no good reason, statistically, there was a, a thousandth of a percentile of folks that had some blood clotting. It was very specific to gender and age. And yet now by pulling that off the market uh, and making it sort of a second, you know, a second place option, I think that really undercut uh, the confidence in the public of taking the one shot Johnson and Johnson vaccine, which did not require all of the refrigeration and all the other problems that some of the other uh, vaccinations had. So again, very inconsistent policy of uh, a statistical anomaly that was a risk that is inherent in any vaccination. And then we pulled the Johnson and Johnson off the market for, I don't know, six or eight weeks, which again, how could that have possibly helped? And it's a fascinating conversation. We've got to wrap it up. How do folks get a hold of y'all? Hey, I'm easy to find. Ray Judice, 404-964-418. That's my cell number. 
right here in Roswell where my law office is, 404-554-8800. My team is always there. Bruce? Call me, 404-522-7553. You can email me, bruce at hagen-law.com. Bruce at bikelaw.com is another option. That's how you get a hold of these guys when we talk about topics that resonate with you or that you have questions about. Reach out and ask those questions. Get answers. Get help from either Ray or Bruce or both, for that matter. We appreciate you spending time with us here on Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagen, Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC.